We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. Hi, I'm Jerry Boyer. You're listening to Meeting of Minds. Um, and our guest today is Derek Kreifels, uh, who is the head of an association of state financial officers, treasurers, sometimes auditor general, etc. And his organization is really, I would say, at the front line. His organization and his members are at the front line of the fight against the politicization and the ideological capture of the investing industry, um, frequently under the um, name of ESG, Environmental, Social, and Governance Investing. Uh, So uh, Derek, I should say, you know, all your members are secretary. You're just Derek. Derek Kreifels, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thank you for having me, Jerry. It's an honor to be here with you. Um, What is your toughest fight right now? What is taking up your energy and focus and engagement at this moment uh, in your ongoing fight? You know, it depends on which state we're talking about. Um, in, in West Virginia, it's the attack on, on coal and oil and gas. Um, in, in Louisiana, it's the, t- the attack on, on the Second, Second Amendment. Uh, in Nebraska, it's an attack on agriculture and, and cattlemen. Um, and in this, the, the thing that I know it's hard for, for people that don't, aren't familiar with ESG to understand, um, but it's, it's fingering out. It has all these fingers in all these different policy areas. And it's really starting to touch multiple, um, areas of our life, of our, of all of our everyday lives. Um, and, uh, and so it is like playing whack-a-mole every week. There's something new that pops up that they've, the you know folks on the left have figured out a way to weaponize capital in a new way, hmm. um, and and so you know in the fall of last year, you know we started this by hearing about this IRS snooping rule. I don't know if you remember there was this proposal that was in the Green Book, which is the, the book of ideas that comes out from the Treasury Department under a new administration. One of those ideas was we can have the IRS report or have banks across the country and credit unions report every transaction transaction of $600 in or out of someone's bank account to the IRS hmm. so that you, so they could understand uh, who wasn't basically being honest on their taxes um, and an effort to um, produce a higher tax collection revenues, um, which we heard about the proposal, and um, that was really the first time that our treasurers jumped to action and said, this is um, unheard of in America, that you're basically presumed guilty yes. uh, until you're prove, proven innocent. Um, and, you know, we just thought it was one of the largest uh, attempts at an invasion of privacy that we'd ever seen by our American federal government. Hmm. Um, and so our tra- Yeah, our there's national- no probable cause. No for the problem. surveillance, it's like being able, almost being able to put a wire tap on your bank account. Absolutely, just because uh, you exist. 
Absolutely. And aside from the administrative issues that it created for the banks and the credit unions, they were against it. Um, we took a couple of weeks and said, okay, all of our state members, we need you to go out into your communities and talk to every blogger, every radio show, every newspaper, uh, every TV show, and, and get the word out that you've got to call their congressman. And, you know, if there wasn't a specific bill. It was weird because there wasn't like, you know, House Resolution 2349 or anything like that that we could point to. We just knew that it was an issue that was being actively debated and discussed uh, between administration officials and leaders in Congress. Um, and we I think uh, that would be House Bill 459 probably would be. Or, wait, wait, what is it? Fahrenheit 451. Uh, House Bill 451 would be the proper number for that one. Probably. Eh. If they, you have nothing, uh, you have nothing to uh, to fear. If you have nothing, if you have nothing to hide, if you've done nothing wrong, you have nothing to fear. If you have nothing to hide, sorry, I'm mangling the lines, uh, but uh, I mean, so it's, we, I'm, we create, I'm not for tax cheating, but a gigantic surveillance state yeah, seems really, to be not not the right reaction. It really was, and so our treasurers took to national media, started talking about it, um, and that led to the next thing, which was you know this. Um, we saw the administration again in this effort to weaponize capital. You know, they started um, trying to slip in appointees to different positions that seemed irrelevant to most Americans, like the uh, Office of the Comptroller of the Currency. You know, they put up a nominee. Her name was Soleil Amaroba. Um, she was a self-proclaimed socialist. That's not my words. Those are hers that are on video talking about how the Russian system of banking was far superior than America's. And, and so when we heard that the administration was appointing someone like that, this is before Russia invaded Ukraine, right? I mean, this is way before that. We said, this is ridiculous. We can't have a socialist in this position uh, that's going to do the right thing for American banking. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, we were very much opposed to her. We were involved with uh, Sarah Bloom Raskin's nomination to the Federal Reserve. You know, here's someone that had worked at Treasury under President Obama you know, on paper, she had a good resume if you just looked at the Treasury experience. But if you looked deeper and you saw the the, the political uh, you know, activism in the name of global climate change and the things that she was trying to do, um, and then you saw the systematic, all the other ways that the administration was trying to appoint people to play in that global climate change, even if the agency had nothing to do with it, um, we just thought that was appalling. And um, and so our our organization, again, and our members went all in on trying to make sure that she was not uh, sworn in. And, and we were victorious um, with several federal par- national partners that, that were all working together um, to basically educate Americans about that. I think there's a particular vulnerability with banks. And as I look at uh, proposals or political statements, The banks have been ideologically captured probably earlier than any of the other national companies. And I think it's because they're not just they're they're highly regulated, but they're also under direct oversight. So most companies are regulated. But at a bank, a big bank, there's somebody who works for the federal government who's got a desk there. They're there every day. Right. Uh, And so there's there's an oversight function, which essentially makes them in danger of being directly under the control of the federal government. So when you look at the sectors that have gone most ideological, it tends to be the sectors that are most vulnerable. At the more local level, utility companies, because they're highly regulated. They're given a, a monopoly by government in many cases. So it's like, well, what do we get? You know, uh, you know, there's no, no free lunch here. Um, 
I think that's very true. And, and Jerry, if I could, I've got a couple examples of how banks have played, uh, have gotten very political, you know, in, um, just a couple of years ago, treasurer John Schroeder in Louisiana, he started paying attention to the way that, uh, the comments and the, and the things that were being done uh, by a couple of the largest banks in America, um, towards the second amendment. Um, and he basically is, he's a veteran. He's a very much a second amendment enthusiast and said, if I'm in a position where I'm going to be doing business, you know, hundreds of billions of dollars worth of business and contracts with banks, I'm certainly not going to work with a bank that wants to limit my state citizens' Second Amendment rights. Mm. Um, and so he did that, and he made a lot of national headlines for it. Um, and uh, and then in Missouri, Treasurer Scott Fitzpatrick, there was an interesting situation with a small nonprofit in rural Missouri that was having a uh, a well-known, uh, the son of a well-known former president of the United States that was coming in to speak. Um, and the payment processor was a payment processor called WePay. And they, um, they said that the speaker violated their hate speech and anti-terrorism policy is what they ended up telling the, the organization up on why their assets had been frozen for ticket sales. Hmm. Um, we'll come to find out WePay was a subsidiary of J.P. Morgan Chase. And so Treasurer Fitzpatrick that night went on Tucker Carlson on Fox News and said, uh, made the announcement that um, they were no longer going to be doing business with J.P. Morgan Chase if, if J.P. Morgan Chase was going to continue to discriminate against the conservative half of the Missouri, the population of Missouri. Mm. Um, uh, amazingly, uh, J.P. Morgan Chase called the treasurer I think that next morning and um, everything was cleared up. Um, but we're seeing it over and over and over. That's the power of speaking up. That's the power of speaking up. And 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 for the record, the banks are hearing plenty from the left on a daily basis. Yes. Right? Don't hear from good, uh, you know, American loving, uh, you know, the conservatives and folks that that care about this, but usually aren't burning the city down. Um in, in, in the name of a, of a or public. even liberals who think that corporations should stick to their day job. Right. Because right. there are a lot of liberals that really hate, you know, like, oh, come on, black lives don't matter to you. You're a giant corporation. You're just blackwashing or greenwashing. A lot of liberals hate this stuff, too. Um, when the IRS nuking issue came out, for example, we had we have liberals calling us for the first time in 10 years saying, I am ad- adamantly opposed to this. I don't want the government to know how much medicinal marijuana I'm buying on a monthly basis. Um, we had people calling saying, I don't want the government to know how much ammunition I buy on a monthly basis. Um, it was from both sides. And it, it was really interesting to hear. I Although think- if, if, if it's the same person and they're both high at the <laughs> same time, I might be a little concerned. <laughs> if there's a really big bill for medicinal marijuana and a big bill for ammo, I, I don't want a surveillance state, but. <laughs> they were different calls. They okay, were good. Calls. All right. Um, but yeah, we just, I mean, over and over and over again, we're seeing, you know, the weaponization of, of bank, of banks, of, of lending, of, uh, of capital in terms of investments from you know, these companies like BlackRock and State Street and Vanguard and, you know, that are, are trying to band together to push for global climate change. And um, and now we have companies that are pushing for, uh, you know, protecting reproductive rights in corporations, you know, for, um, 
hearing about you know more Second Amendment initiatives that are being proposed. Let's, by- let's talk about the abortion issue because this is really fascinating. I mean, talk about uh, you know, uh, mental gymnastics. I mean, these yeah. these activists are trying to make the case that doing business in a pro-life state uh, means that you're going to have a shortage of workers because women aren't going to want to live in these states where they can't get abortions. Um, and so you're not going to have enough workers. I, I, I mean, are, are we kidding here? Uh, I mean, first of all, the, the population outflow yeah. from, you know, hyper pro-abortion states like New York is amazing. The, the, the America is moving from north to south and from east-west to center. Yeah. Right. America is moving to pro-life states. Yeah. So I, I, I agree that there might be a worker shortage, but it's just not, not it, it's not in the growing sunbelt. Let me put it that way. And it's not abortion. Nobody's making that. I mean, a few activists for some company might say, well, if if like, for instance, Duolingo in here in Pennsylvania, if some some women work for the company said, well, if, if Pennsylvania passes abortion restrictions, you know, you, I won't work for you. I'll move out of state. Yeah, really? Will you? Uh, I doubt it. I don't I don't know anyone except the most extreme activist who would make a movement decision like that. But well, it, It's very disingenuous, you know, where you take some of the largest companies that are that are doing this. Um, you know, we know I mean, we're 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 business savvy guys, Jerry. It's cheaper to have to pay for a, a two day trip to California than it is to you know, have that employee maternity leave, maternity leave for, for 12, 16 weeks. Yeah. I, I, I hate to say that, but that's, that's the honest truth. Uh, an abortion in an Uber is going to run you about a thousand, twelve hundred dollars Right. Plus a right. flight. Probably. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, yeah. If it's a flight, that's true. Right. So instead of an Uber, if it's not a nearby state. So what about three months maternity leave? Right. And also the cost of delivering the baby, but it's really fascinating to hear liberal groups like as you sow network, pushing these proposals as early as 2019, basically arguing. I mean, these are people who've said, we need parental leave, we need maternity care, we need everything, but say, you know, babies are expensive. You know, yeah. there's going to be a medical bill, you know, to deliver a baby. So we probably better off not having them, you know, better for business. It's amazing that they can make that argument given their rhetoric in the past. But I guess it's just ad hoc reasoning. They'll just make whatever argument they think arrives at their conclusion. That's right. That's right. And now that Roe's been overturned, we fully anticipate seeing this uh, much more widespread. You know, we talked about in the past these three shareholder proposals for TJ Maxx, Lowe's, and Walmart. I very much foresee that that number growing from three to, you know, hundreds next year. Yes. Well, we need to be ready for it. And that's the other thing I'm thinking about. I think your members are now the front line. Um, But so, I mean, there's a basic formula here. The corporations go too far, right? They they cave in. Not all these CEOs want to go hard left. They're just some, and some of them are just like pain avoiders. So we don't show up. We didn't say anything. We don't go to annual meetings. They go to annual meetings, and they're pushing all manner of of ideological crazy stuff. Someone leaks something to the press. One of your members says, "Hold on a second. They're asset managers for us." They do an op-ed, maybe Wall Street Journal, goes on Tucker. Now we've got a national thing going on. The next piece, I think, is then the shareholder engagement, which is, oh, you're hurting. 
we're owners in your company. I'm talking about retail or other funds. We're owners in your company. Look at all the pushback you're getting politically. How can you tell us this is risk management when you do all this left-wing stuff when it seems like most of your risk right now is a backlash from conservatives? And add that and then maybe a little connection with the employee resource groups for veterans and Christians. Um, and then I think basically this tide gets reversed. Yeah. Well, and we're, you know, a lot of our treasurers are um, working with members of their legislature to pass uh, different pieces of legislation. You know, Texas, uh, West Virginia, Kentucky have all passed some, and Tennessee um, have passed some pretty big laws in terms of, um, you know, anti-discriminatory laws like Texas has one against uh, any company that's discriminating against the fossil fuel industry. Uh, they also have one uh, in regards to companies discriminating against the Second Amendment industry. Um, in uh, in West Virginia, their bill is aimed a little bit more at banks um, that are are discriminating against fossil fuel companies. And uh, Kentucky Treasurer Ball helped shepherd in a bill that um, is a one hundred thousand dollar state contract bill where basically if you want to do business with the state, it doesn't matter if you're a paper company um, or a, uh, you know, you're a, a fund manager. Um, if your contract's worth over a hundred grand and you're discriminating against uh, the fossil fuel industry, you're no longer eligible to do business in Kentucky. So we see that as um, I think we'll see some of the, the uh, more legislation in states. I think there will be some legislation that, demands the treasury take back the proxy votes um, from the fund managers. Um, and, uh, and, and so I think that will happen in some cases. Um, it'll be kind of state by state. You know, we've seen some governors do some great things. Governor DeSantis. Maybe um, we look at the olig- oligopolistic proxy industry too. Right. Very limited number of, of providers that, that work with state governments. Two that, of them add up to maybe 95, 97 percent of market share, and they are ideologically captured. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Hmm. Um, so I think I think there's also a legal argument that's that's forming where, you know, Treasurer Ball just asked um, her attorney general in Kentucky, A.G. Cameron, um, for a legal opinion on whether stakeholder uh, the idea of stakeholders um, uh, could be considered a valid uh, factor in determining um, an, an investment decision. So could a fiduciary um, use this idea of stakeholder capitalism where there aren't just shareholders, but stakeholders out there, um, i.e. activists who uh, you know, want the company to, to go a certain direction, um, is that legal in a state like Kentucky to make investment decisions based on anything other than that sole fiduciary responsibility? And his strong opinion came out. And of course, it was not legal um, to use any of those other factors. Well, I think we're going to see. Of more. course not. Where there's a fiduciary responsibility to the shareholders, how can you possibly demote shareholders and put them alongside with the union, the community, the suppliers, the planet, polar bears? Uh, social right. justice. I mean, it's a demotion of the shareholder or it means nothing. Right. Um, and it's interesting. There were a number of proposals last year where I actually asked a question at some of these board meetings where the, they had signed the business roundtable pledge. Larry Fink, BlackRock, was, was leading this thing, arguing for stakeholder capitalism. So some activists came forward and said, oh, 
well, if you believe in stakeholder capitalism, then you have to become a, a public benefit corporation because under law, you have to put shareholders first. But you're saying you're not putting shareholders first. All stakeholders are equal. That's in, con- that's in conflict with your legal status. Therefore, you have to be change your legal status. And it's fascinating what these companies, Yelp in particular, said. And I even asked flat out, are you saying that your business roundtable statement didn't change anything? Mm. Yes, that's what we're saying. It didn't really change anything. It just reflects what we're already doing, you know, which is putting shareholders first. So this stuff is either meaningless language, in which case they're misleading investors, or yeah. it means something, in which case they're, they're violating fiduciary responsibility and demoting shareholders. Who would want to be a shareholder in that situation? I have no idea. I, I, I think you're going to see many more attorney generals across the country. Uh, we've developed great friendships with many of our treasurers and attorney generals in the same states. Um, and uh, I think that you're going to see them working more closely together um, to show where some of these fund managers are violating their fiduciary duties, their fiduciary responsibilities as, as fund manager for state pension and state tax dollars. Hmm. I see. So right, right now, you're pretty much focused on treasurers are your front line right now. And you're yeah. saying now the attorney generals are kind of getting AGs are getting pulled into this. Um, I, I think so. I think I think ahead. that's where it'll go. I think that you'll see states that will, you know, I could I could foresee a, a multi-state um, uh, class action lawsuit at some point that uh, is aimed at a company that is that they feel like it's doing harm. You know, because, again, we've talked about this, Jerry, in the past that, you know, the returns just aren't there. I mean, the returns aren't equal to, you know, if you take one portfolio that's heavily divested from carbon-based energies and one that isn't, uh, the one that isn't is going to perform better than the one that's divested um, almost every time. And, you know, in some cases, it's a percent, but you take a percent of billions of dollars over... over Compound it for 20, 30 years. That's a pension plan, yeah. That's significant to the retiree or that pensioner that's trying to decide if they're going to have enough to live on when they turn 67 or 65 or you know, however old they, it is when they retire. Well, the problem with this approach is whenever when you have an investment approach, you've got a proposition, which is you have rules. Now, it might be cap weighting, which is the market is efficient and it's properly valued these, or it might be a value discipline you know, buy low, sell high, buy when it's on sale, et cetera. There are different, you know, could be earnings quality. There are all sorts of different methodologies, right? But those rules are designed to improve performance. If you take anything else and essentially shove it down on top of that, you're overriding rules that are well-established as drivers of return. Like there's a lot of data that says, when you buy companies with low PEs and hold them for the long run, you're more likely to make some money. There's also rules that say if they're high quality earnings, good return on assets, you know, cash flow on assets, that over time, that's that's adds to earnings. Now, maybe that's wrong, maybe that's right, but there's a lot of data backing it up. Mm-hmm. If you come along and say, oh, well, if you're doing something that's socially dis- you know, bad, um, we're going to override those established rules and impose political rules and then engage in the magical thinking that eventually your social justice sins will catch up with you, you, to the degree that those screens mean anything, they mean diminution of return 
or you had a bad approach to begin with. Right. In other words, whatever approach you had for managing money, if it's a value approach, well, if it's a good approach, then you know overriding it's going to hurt you. Yeah. If overriding it doesn't hurt you, then it was a bad approach. It's a no-win situation to impose ESG on existing right methodologies. And you talk the rules, you know, there are there there's been rules in this business for a long time, and it's been our experience that uh, you know these this group of, of you know climate activists can't get Congress to do what they want them to do. They can't get the Green New Deal passed. So they want to change the rules. They want to change the rules at every regulatory agency. We've yes. been working hard uh, to, to comment on every proposed rule change that impacts ESG or that introduces ESG into the process. Um, and one of the big things, too, that we're seeing, and we I know you visited a little bit with one of our members, Utah Treasurer Marlo Oaks. Hmm. Um, he successfully pushed back on, on Standard & Poor's Global that has decided to create a arbitrary political ESG score um, for state bonds, uh, for state ratings. You know, here's Utah that's been a AAA rated state for 20 years. And uh, because Utah is in a drought, uh, they get a bad ESG score. And probably because they don't agree with the political philosophy of a majority of the elected officials that are in office. Um, but they're not embracing and bold enough to say that. Um, and so, you know, the state of Utah, you know, led with Treasure Oaks and, and Auditor Dougal and the governor and, and uh, Senator Lee, Senator Romney, all the members of Congress, you know, pushing back against up against Standard and Poor's. Um, same thing happened in Idaho. We've got a great friend in um, Senator Mike Crapo uh, and Idaho Treasurer Julie Ellsworth. They work together. They've actually been hosting ESG educational forums in Boise for the general public. They have wow. television. I didn't know that. Is that oh. on your website? I'd love to see some of those if some of those decks if they're available. That's yeah. great. They they've actually got the whole forum on uh, public television uh, recorded. It's, it was a great event. I I had the opportunity to speak. I know they had uh, the Baker on the phone come in and uh, several other uh, uh, great presenters hmm. but, um you know julie treasurer ellsworth has been working really hard to make sure that the general public understands what esd is and what it isn't um oh, and look, vivek has done a marvelous job that's of great raising public visibility on this i'm issue. a big fan of his book woke Inc. yes lot, if you really want to understand kind of esg and where it came from uh you know his book is great um, one, and, uh, one other point about him, but it's also a point about about you guys. I have a personal bias. I don't I, I don't like conservative outrage from a distance. I understand that it's okay. You can like go out there and speak at CPAC or whatever, or you know, go on talk radio and say, "Well, capitalism is terrible and CRT is terrible," and I, you know that has a function. But I'm so much more interested in people who are doing a thing. Yeah, yeah. Right? Not oh. not like building a mailing list. That's right. Appearing to do a thing. Right? So Vivek's doing funds, right? Yeah. Your members are, you know, putting in comment letters. They're, you know, talking to these companies. Uh, Justin Danhoff is, you know, uh, now with Vivek, but before with National Center, going yeah. to annual meetings. I, yeah. I, I want to, like, feed oxygen to the people who are actually building institutions or guarding institutions and doing things rather than just branding around yeah. the outrage. 
That's right. I mean, you know, for years, there's been several great organizations doing a lot of really good and great research on this topic. And, um, and the way that I describe to people is we're taking that, that research, which I would consider like the, 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 the stick of the spear, um, and we're putting a tip on it. And the tip is, are these frontline state, you know, treasurers and state auditors who have the relationship with their voters in their state. Some of these auditors and state treasurers got more votes than their governor did. I got more votes than their U.S. Senator did. Um, and so they're extremely respected and, and well-known, um, and so one of the things that we're working on, we just won the Heritage Foundation Innovation Prize. I saw that. Um, and, uh, and we were very humbled to, to receive that. Congratulations. But we it for a proposal um, that we're getting ready to roll out soon called Our Money, Our Value. That's an educational campaign to the general public to help the you know everyday person here in America understand what ESG is and how it impacts their everyday life, how it impacts you know inflation and prices at the grocery store, how it impacts the food supply chain, how it impacts the the gas prices at you know at the pump, um, and uh, and and how it's impacting their bottom line when it comes to their retirement. I notice Alliance Defending Freedom (ADF), another do tank, yes. um, also received the same you know same award. So yes, it's it, I think Heritage is like getting that, you know yes. that we we that that the battle has shifted to some degree from politics to boardrooms. Yes. Um, and that doer institutions need to have light shown on what they're on. Uh, what they're doing. ADF, um, actually one, because they, uh, they have a new index that they're trying to get corporations to, um, you know, respond to surveys, much like the human rights, uh, commission does. Uh, but this is basically, um, an index based on, you know, how a company uh, allows their, their employees and their, their teams to be, uh, religious freedom in, in within the company. I'm, I'm working on composing a letter to the companies <laughs> that I'm invested in, that I'm involved with to say, you know, we note that you haven't responded to this yeah. proposal. Do you do you care about diversity or not? Yeah, yeah. I love Jeremy Tedesco and what they're doing there. It's great. Um, I'm actually speaking at ADF next week about the state treasurer's work. Um, See you there. Okay, um, good. Uh, all right. Is there anything, uh, Derek Kreifels uh, from State Financial Officers Foundation, anything that we didn't cover that you want to bring up? Um, any questions I didn't ask that you think, gee, I wish, you know, I was hoping Boyer would ask me about say, um, you know, Everybody can connect with their state treasurer, right? Go to www.sfof.com. Click on uh, our financial officer. You can see if your state treasurer is a member or not. If not, ask them to. It doesn't cost the state anything for them to join our organization. Um, you know, you can follow us at Twitter at SFOF underscore states. Um, and uh, that's where a lot of our, our kind of breaking news when we have a, a treasurer or auditor working on something significant where we first put it. Um, and, uh, I, you know, if people want to reach out to me, they can. I'd love to visit with them. Um, I do think that we... Jerry, the only way we win this and, and really start to reverse it, you know, everybody in the movement has got their part, but I really believe that unless we really help the people understand and, and impact, you know, the hearts and the minds of, of Americans and understand how this is affecting their bottom line, um, I think that that's going to be vital to help change the tide on this issue. So I am going to work tirelessly to continue to push and to educate every American, I don't care if they're liberal or conservative, Democrat or Republican, on how important this issue is and how negatively it impacts. 
you know, if these row officers, financial associate, uh, financial officers or other row officers, apart from like certain channels, like claiming unclaimed property or, mm-hmm. you know, college planning, they, there's certain channels for that. If you're going generally to their press office uh, or their feedback, their, their, their inboxes are not filled. Right. The, you, they will notice yes. if, if, if you are in a state and you write an email to them and you get 10 friends to write an email saying, hey, I was looking at the State Financial Officers Foundation. I notice that you're not involved with this. Um, I, I heard an interview. They could even send a link to this interview, um, whatever, and, or a, a link to yours. We'd, I, you know, Can you explain why you're not? Because it seems like important work. 10 is a groundswell. That's right. They will, That's- they, they will have meetings about it. That's right. And we, we welcome any, any state treasurer, state auditor, regardless of political party, um, that wants to talk in, in, in fight for economic freedom uh, right now in the United States. And so, um, yeah, we invite your listeners to do that. Um, if they have questions, they can reach out to me as well. Wonderful. Derek Kreifels from the State Financial Officers Foundation, thank you for being with us on Meeting of Minds podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Jerry. I'm Jerry Boyer. Thanks for joining us. Thank <laughs> you.